Hey everybody, this is Safdi from Trope Trophies, and you're listening to Trope Trophies Podcast, the show where two sisters explain a trope, debate using our favorite characters from TV, movies, books, anime, and more. Then let you, the listener, decide who is the winner. Now, without further ado, welcome to Trope Trophies. Welcome back to Trope Trophies. It's been a while. We were in a nice spring break. Right. I want to call this spring. It's been like 40 degrees outside. But the flowers are out, so I think it counts. Yeah, April showers is a really big thing. And spring technically doesn't start until mid-May, late May. That's not how it works, but I appreciate the effort. The warmth I'm talking about. The warmth. Oh, okay. But this beginning stuff be a struggle with all the rain and the cold and the hot and the not. But, uh... We're surviving this. I haven't gotten sick or anything. Same. I don't have allergies, like pollen and stuff. So we thriving. No more SAD, seasonal affected depression. No, that's a real thing. I know it's a real oh, thing. I said no more. I mean, once the winter hits in the city, it's like I shall lay in bed forever. But like they say, we outside. But what have you been up to? Steffery. I started watching Our Flag is Death. That's on HBO Max. It is such a great show. I love it. What's it about? It's about this nobleman who has basically a quarter-life crisis. He decides to give it all up and become a pirate. But he is not a regular pirate. It is more like the Muppets version of piracy. Like, he has... No bow in his body to actually be cruel and unusual. In fact, he gives a lot of like work benefits to his crew. They get paid a living wage. They get vacation. They get sick days. He even reads some bedtime stories. They can't understand because that's not why they went to piracy, but they like it. And like, so I got health care. Yeah, they have health care. And so the guy, like, when they go to Thailand, they're like, you know he's going to get you guys killed. He's like, yeah, but treats as well. So it's just really funny in that regard. And it's a queer love story, too. So That's awesome. Yeah, you've been watching some stuff. I honestly don't remember what I've been watching. All I remember is... you've been living life. Well, I know I was watching something else, but all I keep remembering is All in the Family. Y'all, when I have nothing to watch, I just go back to that because it's my trusted pal. But oh my gosh, I really can't remember what I've seen. Y'all, I'm losing my All in the Family is your comfort show right now. Your 2022 comfort show. Oh, and I've also seen The After Party. Haven't heard that one. I spoke about this with you and and, um, Ashley. Well, I don't remember. Okay, so the storyline, it stars Tiffany Harris. So it's a comedy mystery. This high school reunion happens. Everyone goes to like their new rich friends, like after party in his like mansion. And he's murdered. Tiffany is not supposed to be on this case, but wants to solve this case before a former colleague comes. Okay. And every time someone tells a story, it's told in a frame of their psyche, which is like portrayed by different movie genres. It is captivating. It is funny. And it is smart. 
It's so good. Where can you watch this? This is on Apple TV. Yeah, now you have Apple TV. My boss kept talking about Severance, but I don't know if I can get into that because it's sci-fi and you know I don't like anything sci-fi. The only thing I like that's a sci-fi film is Alien, and that's because I was forced to watch it in my film class and I was scared. And did I rewatch it again? No. I can't watch it because it's a little too close. I don't know if this counts as a spoiler, but what happens is that he's working and the employer is changing bits of his memories. That's uncomfortable. So I don't want to watch something when I'm not in that mind frame. I guess it's a good time to remind listeners that you should always take count of your mental health and where you're at when you're consuming media so you don't accidentally trigger yourself. And I mean it. I had to drop Platinum Ending, which is the show I was watching when I was going to the gym, right? Um, I had to drop that because something about it was like not giving me what I needed. And then I had to look up the ending because I'm not afraid of spoilers. And I thank God, Jesus, that I did. And I did not watch this blind because I would have been upset. If you're not mentally in it, don't watch it. This week's trope is vino veretes, which is, in short term, uh, a person that tells the truth when they are drunk. But if you know the TV tropes intro or I guess their blurb on the trope, that's basically the gist of it. It's usually like the stoic character that does not like say anything and doesn't do anything. And then out of nowhere, like they will like be dropping the tea. Like everyone has or knows someone like this. That you just know, if you really want information, just get Susie drunk, but particularly wine. <laughs> that's oh that's the trope. The film I'm doing is on Netflix called The House. It's a stop animation um, film. There are three parts of it, but I'm going to be focusing on part one. And that would be the butler slash actor. I guess I'll go into the background of my character. I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, but the coach is a loser. He works in an elementary school and teaches soccer, but he doesn't know how to play the game. He doesn't know what he's even doing with his job, but he has some way has built a relationship with the student and gives him the worst advice ever. He's a hater. He beeps with the classroom teacher and calls him a loser and such. And they kind of quarrel a little bit in the teacher's room. He loves to drink beer. He lives in an abandoned building. He sucks at dating. He wants to be with women until like he's given the opportunity. And then he's just like, I chicken out. I don't know what to do, which is kind of like, bro, that's weird. He literally told Brendan, his student, that life sucks and that's your lesson for today. Enjoy it. And he literally told his student that I guess became a fatherly figure to Brendan. He says, and I quote, women are crazy. When you get with them in groups, they are like animals. So that is the gist of my character and who he is. He sucks. So we have Raymond and Penelope, right? So they are the married couple and they have two daughters called Mabel and Isabel. Raymond comes from a wealthy family and they come to visit. His family is garbage. They just install his entire house. They like remind Raymond that he failed, that he's supposed to do more. He's like college educated, but he's like living in the slums. They are not living in the slums. Like if the family was like looking at... (laughs) 
at an actual, uh, I don't even want to explain it because this sounds wrong, but like you have a nice modest house living in rural bumble, whatever, where you have greenery over place. We have very different ideas of what wealth is, is what my mind is saying. I would have been fine with the shabby stuff. And they were, they were having a very decent life. So piss drunk, Raven goes into the woods and meets this guy. And that's where the family's whole tragedy starts. So going to specifically the character of Mr. Thomas. Mr. Thomas, he is the person that this aristocrat hires to go perform the Uru. So he goes into Raymond and Penelope's house. He makes his time to deed the same day. The same, he doesn't even let them like read it and reflect it because the person, the aristocrat that's paying him is like, no, it has to be the same day. It has to be the same day. So, you know, something don't, is not yeah, fucking right. Like, that's suspicious. I that's smell a smell. Weird. That's very smelly. <laughs> and Mabel is just like, this is fucking weird. I want to stay in my house, which I get little kids always want to stay in their house. It's fine. They get to the new house. Mr. Thompson is like, I'm your butler. Whatever you have, whatever issues you need, food-wise, I got it. Well, they're in this house and I don't want to get like too much in details, but it starts getting weirder and weirder and weirder. But Mr. Thompson, as the weirdness is happening, is like, you can see by his voice and like the animation, like he too is distressed. Are you the person who's supposed to know what's happening? Is that my house? And there's a lot going on in this movie. It's only part one. Well, mine yeah. is four seasons. And I want to talk about the first season because this is the one I remember the most. So how does he match the trope? Though he sucks in generally. And every time he even goes out with a date with a woman, he even went on a date with Brendan's mom. And she was like completely over it. She was like, I need to go. This sucks. But the worst date he ever went with is when the school gets a new nurse and kind of all the guys are pinning on her because she is attractive. He's somehow able to take her out. And of course, he gets drunk. And he says, I quote, she's pretty like my mother was right bringing on moms. And basically, he just goes on this whole spiel about his mommy issues. And you didn't see my facial reaction to the first <laughs> part. I'm sorry. I need to interject vocally. That's fucking weird. Right. I was like, okay, nobody needed to know that. He confessed that anyone could be a soccer coach because they don't relegate these things. I mean, um, I don't know about 2022, but I guess. <laughs> maybe in 2003, this uh, show is was right there in the beginning of the millennium. He's not certified. He can't play soccer. He's not good with kids. And he's had this job, surprisingly, for three years. And He's surprised that he hasn't been fired yet. Literally, he's just going off about himself and how much he sucks. And this is a date. And usually people sell themselves, but not this guy. So he's just vibing. His work is just vibing. And he's violating himself. (laughs) Just out here spieling the worst in him. I know if someone told me I look like their mom, there would be a problem. I would be triggered because then... I would say, in my mind, not to them. So are you looking to recreate childhood? Because if that's the case, I need to get the fuck out of here. No. And also advice for like our listeners. Maybe, just maybe, you go in talking about your 
high qualities as a partner. Um, it's okay to be honest about certain things, but you should always try to sell yourself on a higher note because, you know, vibrations attract vibrations. So if you are a negative self-talker, you might end up with someone who's also a negative self-talker and it will spiral quickly. Some dating advice. Right. Dating advice in this true podcast. Yeah, I was just going to say he tried to get the nurse to come over and she was like, nah, like you can go and just get out my car. He's just still trying to pursue her. He was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not fat. I'm just big boned. And it's just like, bro, please stop. You already told me everything I needed to know. There's no more I need to be told. You telling me this is like, bro, I have eyes. There's no need to say these things. Right. The rose-colored glasses are gone, my guy. Yo, I remember when he pulled up and he had this smoking hot date and she saw him and was like, taxi, I got to go. Yeah, he sucks, guys. He lives in an abandoned building and all there is beer all around him. If he's going to drink, he's going to expose himself. That's just how it is with Coach McGurk. So on my round two, I will now be destroying the entire plot of part one of this film. So the house that the family Raymond and Penelope were tricked into getting for free, because that's always the caveat that you know something isn't right. It's free. You met the stranger last night. We're signing this morning. We haven't really read the contract. Suspicious. So they were forced to leave their home. They couldn't pack anything. Apparently, it wasn't allowed. So the secret of the house is that this aristocrat, he is a fucking menace to society and a psychopath. So he wanted to make an experiment. And he decided that he was going to make people turn it into furniture. Is one. He's going to turn people into furniture. Think of it like Pinocchio, where the kids are turning into donkeys because of their jackass behavior. Or sorry not to bother you when they uh, literally turn people into horses to make them work. Right. So they were turned into furniture because... So the mom was turned into a curtain because she became factuated with curtains. And the dad became like an armchair because he was like obsessing with the fire and where does fire, where does armchairs belong? In front of a fire. Crazy, right? Poor Mabel and Isabel are like, mommy, daddy, acknowledge us. But like their parents are being factuated by the spell. And every time you leave a room in this house, it's a new layout. It's so Weird. Yeah. This movie must have took a long time to make since it's stop motion. Yes. So mm-hmm. the point that every scene is on a different layout is insane. Right. But like every time poor Babel is like outside. This is what's creepy. You don't know what they're working on in the house. So it'll be this new construction crew and they would just stare at you and they won't say anything. Because they don't care about you because you're not the one paying them. And they'll just stare at you. And then you walk away. And then they're gone. And then they just made something fucking new. Or like they'll remove the stairs. So I'm going back to Mr. Thompson. And all this is happening. And he's living in the house too. Like the last few scenes. He has like a bottle of wine. He is crying hysterically. And Mabel's like, Mr. Thompson. Oh gosh. What's going on? And he's like, 
I don't know. He's crying. This man is in shambles. The entire movie, he's like wearing like the butler ruse outfit. His shirt's on done. Every, like, I don't want to go into more details on part three, but like he's crying with bottles of wine. It's just like, I don't know, Mabel. I don't know what's, he keeps changing. He keeps changing the house. And I was like, oh, so if Mabel's overwhelmed, this man is like losing it. He starts telling Mabel the actual truth that he knows. And it's just like, you know, this bad and bad is just causing it. And unfortunately for Mabel, she gets back to the room her parents are at, which is not their bedroom because they wanted to be in the parlor. And she sees that her parents have turned into furniture. Her parents have like a moment of recreation and they're like, Mabel, get the hell out of this house and take Isabel with you. They use bed sheets or the mom to get out of the house and the house is on fire. I also don't know if Mr. Thompson gets out of there alive, but my theory is probably not because the aristocrat probably did not give a fuck and was just doing this experiment. I think it went wrong because his furniture is now burned. That happened. And then guess what happened to the house, guys? Burnt? It was still fine. What? So his whole thing was you saying that the guy who made them sign the, what was it again? It was an agreement. Oh, an agreement to that same day is changing up the house. And that's how the kids get to know what's going on. So can the parents even talk as curtains and armchair? It was a struggle. To communicate? Yeah, they were basically in the late stage of metamorphosis. Oh, of literally turning into it. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I guess there's no way to turn them back. It's not like spirit away. No. When I was watching, I was like, this is spirited the way, but like a horror version. <laughs> it's like, it's the same theme. It's just put in the English back on ground. But like, I want to like have that conversation in the afterthoughts because we still need to do a part three. Round three. Round three. It's really seeing how interesting the character is. I think Coach McGurk is interesting because he's really dumb, but he's not afraid to show people how dumb he is. And for some reason, people actually want to hear what he has to say, drunk or sober. Sober, it's mainly children. And drunk, mainly himself, and I guess people who may feel bad for him. But I, I kind of like that about Coach McGurk and how he becomes like a fatherly figure to Brendan, even though it's not good. I like that Brendan has someone to talk to, especially since he makes movies. And I guess Coach McGurk helps him write things or have a different perspective um, in his movies. In that regard, I think Coach McGurk is useful. And I think the animation for this show is quite ugly, but it works. Everyone just looks a little weird. Like they're expanded. There's certain parts that are exaggerated, whether it's eyes, whether it's body, whether it's their hair. So yeah. I think that's cool about Coach McGurk. High-key alcoholic, but somehow functioning. What do I like about this show for Mr. Thompson? There's a thing going on right now online where it's just like, show, don't tell. Part one of the house does a lot of showing and not telling because you can see that there's something off about this house. Like at one point, Mabel asks, who cooked this meal? Because they had an extravagant meal, but there's no one there except Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson just looks at her and is just like, like, baby girl, I'm as confused as you. And the parents are just kind of like, 
obviously our staff who else would make this not questioning that they've never seen anyone else except Mr. Thompson this entire time. What staff? What staff, Mike? And this is a big house, so this does not make any sense. It's a lot of disorienting, small details that you're just kind of like, this is not making sense. Like, this is not a layout of a normal house. For it to all be confirmed for us, the audience, by Mr. Thompson in what looks like an addict, in a crunched up, pitifully crying, sobbing, red face with bottles of wine. And mind you, this man, entire movie is like dressed the nines, like crisp, put together. So disorganized and messy and is crying like hysterically. For him to then tell a nine-year-old who's holding a six-month-year-old baby, like he does not know what's happening. He was just an actor. He was, he was not actually their butler. He was hired. And then his frustrating is like, he keeps changing the house. I'm so sorry, Mabel. He keeps changing the house. And I'm just like, well, this is fucking terrifying because he too is a victim, but he's a victim in a different way. People would say sacrifice, but it's not really a sacrifice. He's not needed. I feel like more Mabel's parents were sacrificed than anything else. Human toy or something? No, a casualty. There we go. He was a human oh. casualty for, for the experiment. That in itself was fucked up. So yeah, it's just, what do I feel about him telling the truth after the wine? I feel that if you're at that point crying, disgruntled about your life, it's because there is so much regret. I mean, this is now more of an afterthought thing. I think it's funny how both you and I picked like people who have remorse in their life when they tell the truth, when they're drinking. Like I know some people who are just like shit in life like telling truth about life, but like in a fun, meaning way. And somehow you and I picked the people who are like, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Coach McGurk got to the point where he had insomnia and he couldn't sleep from all of his worries and just stressed out about being, I guess, in nice words, a loser. <laughs> I'm not going to say I can relate because that's not me, but I can understand. What is that called? Sympathy? Empathy? Yes. Yeah. I think it's interesting that your character was a whole butler. Well, playing to be a butler. Even though I don't understand what the biggest house is, I just think it's interesting that, you know, butlers usually have it all together. And if they don't, it's like a private moment. But to have that privacy taken away and just being so vulnerable and drunk that you can just tell these kids what's going on like you know the house keeps changing and the kids are like what I mean the nine-year-old because the six-month-year-old what is that child doing or Isabel over here but she listens to directions I give it out to Isabel she really out here listens to directions she understands where Mabel says like sit here Isabel like she gets it she gets listen older siblings they really be having it tough like I gotta go through all of this our parents are not existent we're orphans now have to take care of you. That's the part of the movie I did not like. And I get it. It's supposed to just be a short. But my brain, who's worked with child care for almost 10 years, just like, but what happens to these children? Like they are, it is dead winter. Their parents are dead. Their father's in the family as they have shown themselves to be assholes. Like how does a nine-year-old maneuver? But, but these are questions because I'm I'm just in a feet in that type of field. So like I get it. I mean, the coach, I feel like 
he could represent Americans in a strange way. Not us, because we're not from a small town, but it's more of a, I thought I was going to do big things because people kept telling me that I can do big things. And then reality hits and it's just like, well, I have a job. I technically have a roof over my head, but you're kind of put in this place where it's just like, I'm only friends with my students who are nine. That's fucking weird. Yeah, he takes and, money from them too. Right. So obviously- yes, abuse, nine-year-olds for money. <laughs> obviously abuse of power there. But he has to be good with the kids somehow because they are going to him for advice. I feel like when you have these expectations for yourself and you don't reach them and you don't know how to like actually take care of your mental health and accept who you are and where you are, then yeah, you're going to be frustrated and do dumbass shit. You're obviously frustrated if you go and tell your date everything that's wrong with you and then she just like, because you know why I disservice people, at least for me. If someone tells me all of that, I'm going to reflect about how fucked up aspects of my life is. And it's just like, no, bitch, I don't need that mirror in front of me all day, every day. I already got it. You telling me this? No, thank you. Let's just stop it here. I would have been like, okay, so I'm going to walk out. But literally the only reason why she stayed was just like, I'm going to drive you home, which is respectful. Oh, so the pity. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Out of a sense of pity, <laughs> I will do the following. Oh my God. And then he's still trying to chat with her. I mean, while they made it to the building, she was like, you can exit the car now. Please leave. Uh, again, how about you don't talk about your every insecurity on the first date? But also don't be one of those like assholes that like tell their work performance like achievements on the first date too. Like, Sir, I am not a job. <laughs> I do not care what you do for a living to a real extent. Maybe some people do, but like I highly doubt someone wants to hear you drone about reports and your accolades on a date. It's, it's really about like, does your personality match with mine? I swear to God, if it doesn't, why are we doing this? Obviously, if you guys are dating, there has to be a physical attraction anyway, or at least an aesthetic attraction. It's like, I can look at this person's face for the rest of my life. That won't be hard. Yeah, I will say when it comes to conversations, on a first date, there was a conversation about the ex. Maybe it was my fault because I was asking. I'm like, so why are you here? I guess I'm an interviewer. Like, what happened in your last job that made you want to leave? <laughs> Obviously, it's the it's Capricorn. The Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to finish. Our flag is death. And there's another show. I Oh, Abbott Elementary. Oh, yeah. I heard that show's really good. In case any of you guys have not seen the show, which I'm a little surprised. It is a show that is basically a mix of The Office, but make it Black. And a low income, but no, it's so good. I worked in a school before, so it just gave me school vibes again. It just, it's like, wow, look at that time period of my life. Now school is falling apart too. I think I saw like two or three episodes and I was just like, this is a whole mess. The principal's useless. Yep. And yep. I'm just like, yo, mm-hmm. how, can, how can this be? That's it. 
right. I'm telling you, I'm I'm reliving a period of my life where memory is just like. <laughs> well, if you guys haven't seen it already, that show's available on Hulu. Yeah, where I get it from. Uh, home movies. My show is available on HBO Max, and Stephanie's, I believe, is available on Netflix. The House. Yes. You can stream The House on Netflix. My favorite part is part three. You know that short story, Metamorphosis, about the man that turns into a roach? No. Metamorphosis. You've never heard of that? I insist. Is that a children's book? No. No. The only thing, you said Metamorphosis, and all I could think about was Hilary Duff's song. I mean, that's why I let you sing. (laughs) Yes, I insist. It's a classic short story it's of a man that turns into a roach and how his family just starts losing it losing it in the sense of it's really fucked up they stop liking him they like consider him a menace but does he get smaller or is he just one big he's roach? a bi- he's one big roach oh no yeah i wouldn't like him he's getting slaughtered bye-bye that's the social life commentary because he's a worker and he was giving his family money and everyone was like tolerating him and he was now living the life he wanted. And then one day he was being transformed into a roach. No, it never explains why he got transformed into a roach, but he could no longer work. And so his family just started viewing him as a burden, even though he's, he's the same guy who was taking care of them. There's some weird stuff with him and his sister. I don't really want to even... If my memory's lapsing, it's because my brain's trying to protect me from that weird shit. But he was trying to do something with his sister, like at least like like have her acknowledge him, and she just like brushed him off. Like she was the last person who was showing him empathy, and then get, like stopped giving him that because of something that happened. And yeah, it just turned to huge roach. No one wanted anything to do with them, and I think he dies or something. And then I was just there, like this is traumatizing. And now I'm an adult re-remembering that. I'm like. Yeah, no, that's why you need to just live life yourself because your family could potentially not give a fuck and like treat you like shit because now you're the burden and they're not the burdens anymore. And then what's fucked up is that when he dies, Xiaomi becomes rich. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Part two of the house, though, is not like that in that extent, but it's a metamorphosis of the character, which is funny because he's a rat and then he eventually becomes a rat. Yeah. I hate when people turn into things. No, 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 no. He was already a rat. Because he turns into a rat? He mentally turns into a rat. Just like The Fly. That's a disgusting movie. Ew. Turning into a fly. You don't understand how ugly it is. I'm surprised there hasn't been a remake. Maybe because Hollywood's like, no one wants to see that in like CGI. Yeah, they know. They know no one wants to see that. But when I say... No, like he's a stop animation rat. But what happens in the house is disgusting as shit. So, you know, but I don't care because the house could burn for all I give a fuck. So how long is this film anyways? I'm like an hour and a half. Oh, but I honestly, it's short. I'm like, no, it's short because there's three parts. But I will advertise part three with the bottom of my heart. If you're going through anything in life and it's about ch- rejecting change, watch part three. Daisy. Okay, that's it. That is it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode on Vino Vetras. Yeah, mine is a comedy. Stephanie's is a horror. Pick Yay. which one you want. Off brand <laughs> for me. Yeah, it, it truly is. Stephanie hates horror films. <laughs> I think for the most part, they're pretty funny, but 
All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode. We'll be back to our regular schedule. Hope you guys are having a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So, who do you think the winner is? Leave a comment on our Instagram at tropetrophy.pod. Listeners, if you have any tropes or characters you'd like us to battle, DM us on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications on our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to follow us on our socials, you can follow me, Jotty, at Jotty Adi on Instagram and Stephanie, all socials as the Bewitching Bard. Stay tuned for the next episode. Tuned. Bye-bye.